Hello there, Obi-Wan Kenobi here, and you're listening to Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast, brought to you by StarWarsDaily.com. The Force will be with you, always. Hey, Clone Wars fans, welcome back to Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast, the original podcast dedicated to the Clone Wars animated series. This is episode number 84 for the episode Escape from Kadavo. My name is Matt, and joining me as always, that's my good friend over there in Canada, Michael Cohen. What's up, my friend? It's been a couple, uh, it's been a few weeks since we talked. It's been a little bit, yeah. Did, you know, just just like I predicted, we did not get anything <laughs> done over the holidays. Hey, you know what? It's um, the holidays, man. It's yeah. it's rough, you know? It's, yeah. It's you been know, a crazy we, month. We tried, and, uh, and I definitely, I emailed a bunch of people, and everybody was like, yeah, totally, let's do that, like, like three weeks before uh, Christmas. And then it was like the next week hit, and I think that everybody got super busy, because yeah. it was like, now nobody's like n- nobody can do it <laughs> right yeah. so it was kind of it was one of those things where i yeah. Uh, yeah it just it, we didn't we didn't get out in front of that early enough uh, no, but it's, it's, it's rough, all good yeah. we're back now with a new oh, yeah. episode uh new episode of clone wars uh according to the commercial or the preview thing mm-hmm. uh episodes straight through until the end of the season so wow that's gonna be a big so, rush okay yeah. Good deal. So we got a lot to talk about and, of course, a, a new episode to break down. So let's jump into it right away. Let's do it. Welcome. I have been expecting you. This is just the beginning. This is where the fun begins. Join us or die. Our meeting was not a coincidence. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. All right, Mike. Well, the first thing I want to start with is uh, kind of sad news. Uh, it was over uh, New Year's. Uh, I think it was New Year's Day, actually, we uh, heard about this. Uh, mm-hmm. Bob Anderson, of course, the legendary swordmaster Bob Anderson, passed away at a- the age of 89. Uh, besides his work in the original Star Wars trilogy, Anderson added his fencing expertise to such Hollywood hits as The Mask of Zorro, Lord of the Rings, Three Musketeers, uh, The Princess Bride, great film, uh, The Hobbit. So this guy was huge, and a lot of people don't, I was kind of like, you know what? We got to give some, some, uh, some love to this guy because he was kind of uh, mm-hmm. in the background, you know, and nobody really knew about it until Mark Hamill, you know, stepped up in the Empire and said, "Hey, you know what? We got to give this guy some props, yeah, because this guy did all the the, the fighting from uh, Return of the Jedi and the Empire, and not to mention all the other work that this guy has done." Yeah, uh, and let me just play a quick. Um, it's about a minute long. It's a little uh, little information about uh, Bob Anderson. So let's uh, take a listen to this. He taught sword fighting to James Bond, Zora, and Inigo Montoya. I am not offended. But faced with a student who just couldn't get the moves right, fencing master Bob Anderson went one step farther and became Darth Vader himself. Well, Darth Vader, yeah. It's just a clunk and a helmet that I was underneath it all. It was his opponent, Luke Skywalker actor Mark Hamill, who revealed what was supposed to be a secret, that Anderson did Darth Vader's lightsaber battles in The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. 
He was already nearly 60 by the second Star Wars movie when Darth Vader chopped off Luke's hand. Bob Anderson was an Olympic fencer who went on to coach the British national team. In 1952, he was invited to work on the Errol Flynn movie, The Master of Ballantry. He ended up stabbing the movie star by accident, but he went on to become one of Hollywood's top swordmasters. He was known as Grumpy Bob because he demanded perfection, but actors were proud to work with him. I've had the honor of working with Bob Anderson as my swordmaster. Anderson died on New Year's Day. He was 89. Richard Green, CNN, London. And, Mike, that was from uh, CNN, of course. And, you know, it's, it's crazy because to think that this guy was 60 years old when he did The Empire, you know? Yeah. It's like, yeah. who would have known that, you know? And I was thinking to myself, you know, what, what was the background of this guy? What did he do? It, and it says in here he was an Olympic fencer. Uh, he was a British national team coach. So this guy had the, the credentials, obviously. And, uh, you know, I just, like, thought, man, this is kind of cool. You know, what a... An asset this guy has been to not only Star Wars, but um, all the stuff. I mean, Princess Bride, one of my favorite movies. One of my favorite fights, you know, was Inigo. And, you know, and, that, and, and you heard the clip, you know, I'm not left-handed. And just that whole fight was, was really fun to watch. So I thought we'd give some love to uh, some Bob Anderson. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's amazing to hear that, that somebody uh, could, could, you know, uh, don that heavy leather costume i mean you you have one you know how difficult oh yes yeah to move around inside that thing and try to fight that uh, yeah yeah and and to to get those those moves down there and and be so iconic and uh i it's it would be difficult enough i think for either of us to do that (laughs) (laughs) yeah we're not 60 in his 60s right yeah um and uh and as you mentioned uh, just at the head of this uh, that he worked most recently on The Hobbit, which I mean isn't isn't even set to release until yeah almost yeah. a year from now. A year, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, and and I mean, eighty nine, eighty nine years old. He was working on wow, still working on films. Yeah, I uh, still still the swordmaster on films. So, um, yes, I mean that's pretty amazing. That's an that's an unbelievable legacy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Raise my glass. Toast to Bob Anderson. Some yeah. some fantastic work. Uh, let's jump on over to uh, here's a big one. Star Wars: The Old Republic shatters MMO sales records, and it's really of no surprise, Mike. And you know, Kyle, our recap writer, Kyle, he's been playing this thing, and he loves this thing, Mike. He's been he's been talking about it. And he says this is really good. And since the game's launch on November uh, December twentieth. More than a million players have spent 60 million in-game hours playing The Old Republic already, Mike. So they've created more than 850,000 Sith warriors and 810,000 Jedi Knights, not to mention countless smugglers, troopers, and bounty hunter scouts. So what do you think? This is uh, Any surprise that this thing is as big as it is now? No, I mean, you put Star Wars on yeah. anything. And this is with the... Uh, yeah, and this is with the... Uh, you have to pay for it. Yeah. So, and it's just going to get bigger. So, I don't know, man. I, it looks like I might have to jump into this thing. Hopefully that, you know, you said will happen. What you said, uh, I think it was last podcast or a couple ago, you said uh, maybe they'll follow suit and uh, do it free like another uh, game. Who was doing that other game you were talking about? Free to play. Um, DC Universe Online. DC, that's right, yeah. So I think with numbers like this, it, you know what? Okay, here's the thing. This is the thing. you got to remember it. And... Uh, like this is what a lot of people aren't counting on because everybody's going like, oh my goodness, you know the most like uh, high selling MMO, all that sort of thing. These million, sixty million in in game hours. What eight? How many people? Uh, how many people? It didn't say. It said more than a million players. More than a million. So yeah. So I mean, like a stupid number of players to begin with, mm-hmm. but. What the real test is, because uh, everybody who bought that game gets 30 days free. There, yeah, right? right, right. So the real test is, after those 30 days, how many people are going to stick around, mm-hmm. right? And that's, that's when you, uh, yeah. yeah, that's when we'll see how this is actually going to going to play out. Um, if the numbers stay the way that they are, maybe it won't go free to play. But um, I don't know, with so many free-to-play alternatives out there, it's it's kind of mm-hmm. 
Uh, it could go either way. It could go either way. So yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's uh, Kyle's been playing it, and he seems to enjoy it. And mm-hmm. a lot, a lot of people that I that I know that have this game uh, are, are really saying it's 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 pretty good. So. Yeah, I don't know, man. Am I going to have to shell it out? We'll see. I mean, I'd definitely like to try that three days and just see how it is. And You know, it's, it's going to get you hooked, obviously. But, um, gosh, that would be so nice if they went to free-to-play like, like you're saying. Who knows? But we'll see. We'll see. Maybe, It'd be really maybe nice if they put a Mac version out so that I could play it. <laughs> That's true. They don't have a Mac version? Oh, no, yeah. No, it's Bioware. They won't do it. Yeah. They don't have any Mac games. Oh, so you're out of luck then. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> For now. For now. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the last thing before we head on to the recap is uh, this kind of just broke just a few hours ago, Mike, and I, I wanted to, to talk about this. Um, an interview with, uh, with IGN's, uh, this guy named Scott Cholera from IGN, he talked to uh, Rip McCallum, of course, the producer of the prequels and uh, some other things. And, and of the, the live action series apparently has a working title, and I don't know if it was a slip by McCallum or, or if it's, you know, it's a working title, so maybe it wasn't a big deal. But uh, let's listen to uh, what Rick McCallum had to say. This is, it was actually like a six, seven minute interview. I just grabbed a, just a quick 40 second, uh, quick take on this. So let's check this out real quick. So like, like we've heard before from Lucas, Mike, it's obviously a money thing, but, yeah. but what do you think? Star Wars Underworld, do you like the, do you like the title? Is that, I mean, it's, it's exactly what we heard this show was going to be about was, the, you know, the Empire is coming to power, but let's see what's going on in the seedy underbelly of Coruscant and whatever else, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I don't know, it's, it sounds like it's going to work, you know, I, I don't know, like I said, I don't know if it's a big slip or... He just, like I said, it was just a working title, but hey, at least we got something, you know? <laughs> it's, yeah, I, it's something. You, you know, Rick McCallum's not really the best reliable source <laughs> for your information, yeah. in my opinion. Um, I think he tends to uh, take a little bit of liberty with things. And uh, it, actually, Star Wars Underworld, I believe, is already the title of something else. Um, I think whether it was it was a comic book storyline or one of the mm-hmm. the books or something like that, but I'm almost positive that Star Wars Underworld is actually already in use by something else. Hmm. So, um, I mean, a quick uh, a quick check on Wikipedia will verify that one way or the other. <laughs> but yeah. I I don't know. Well. Here's 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 part two. While you're doing that, check this out. Sure. Here is a just another quick little take on on something he says that I thought was interesting about the prequel trilogies as well. So that's what I wanted to point out, Mike, was, you know, he's talking about 50 scripts, okay, they're bigger, yeah. they're, he's saying they're bigger, just one hour of the show is bigger than, than doing a prequel movie. So, of course, you know, that was, we're talking, the prequels were over five years now, but, uh, yeah. you know, he's, he seems like he's, you know, he's, he's, gonna, he's a producer, he's got to pump this up, but yeah, he's talking, he's really excited about these 50 scripts, bigger than the prequels. And uh, so I thought that was kind of interesting because I hadn't heard that before, uh, that 
the one hour is going to be bigger than a prequel. So yeah, it, well, you know, again, this is Rick McCallum talking, right? So mm-hmm. he's the producer. At the end of the day, all that he's really concerned with is whether or not it's going to make money. Right. Um, it, it, like uh, quite honestly, and like I, I, I'm fairly outspoken against about Rick McCallum mm-hmm. um, because, in my opinion, he's the reason why. A, the prequels have as many issues as they have, and B, uh, Lucas continues to go back and edit the original trilogy. Because mm-hmm. um, he's the guy who looks at it and goes, oh, well, we can make money if we do this, and we can make money if we do this, and oh, it doesn't matter if the prequels are good as long as there's lots of special effects and we can make a great trailer because then we can sell it. You know, like, mm-hmm. that's that's the whole thing right and uh, I don't know when you hear him talk about it it's not like when you listen to George Lucas talk about Star Wars or you listen to Dave Filoni talk about Star Wars because when they talk about it they talk they'll go into like oh it's you know it's the essence of mythology and storytelling and blah 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 and this and that and you know you know the the hero with a thousand faces and 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 all of a sudden Joseph Campbell stuff and you know these movies that were uh, attributing to you know why Star Wars has this and this in it uh, and all these sort of homages and callbacks mm-hmm. um, and really the art and craft of making Star Wars right like that's what we've come become really accustomed to hearing particularly from Dave Filoni. Um, but right. then whenever you hear Rick McCallum talk about Star Wars, it's always, and this one's going to be bigger than the last one, and it's going to be better, and more special effects, and more explosions. Like, I guarantee, if you, if you, you know, bring up any of his interviews, pre- or post-prequels, talking mm-hmm. about that, like, directly before or after... All he's gonna say is, "Oh, this one's bigger and better than the than the last one," mm-hmm. right? So when he says to me, you know, "Oh, well, the 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 TV series is it's it's gonna be bigger and better than any of the movies ever were, it, bigger and better than the prequels." It's like, yeah, well, he's a producer now, yeah, right. Yeah, right. like he's playing that role. Yeah, I, I don't, I I can't trust what he says because he says the same thing every time, and. You know, it's it's a it's a law of averages thing. Yeah, sometimes he's right because if you always say that the next thing is going to be bigger and better, eventually you're going to be right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, it, it, like and when it comes to Star Wars, I think like at least fifty percent of the time you're going to be right about that, right? Yeah. Um, but I don't think he really understands what he's talking about a lot of the time. I think he just kind of like he doesn't understand from the art side of it. He understands from like well, that's going to make a great action figure. That's going to sell popcorn bucket toppers and KFC kids meals and all this stuff, right? Like, mm-hmm. like I, I don't know. I just, I feel personally that he's the reason why we had all that crap in episode, like not in episode one, but like when episode one came out in 99, mm-hmm. right? Like you remember, you couldn't walk into any kind of store whatsoever without seeing something Star Wars plastered on something. Right. 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 Whether it's a bag of chips or a Pepsi can or a KFC or Pizza Hut, Taco oh, yeah. Bell, or walking into Walmart and there's Star Wars stuff everywhere. Right. Like it. It. He. He's. He's the guy who's responsible for that stuff. And a lot of people, I, I think the reason why I get so, uh, maybe. I don't know, aggressive about it, so standoffish about it, is because people go, oh, George Lucas is such a sellout. George Lucas does this, 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 and this. And it's like, actually, I think that George just kind of sits in his office and goes, well, it would be cool if we had some flying whales in the next one, right? <laughs> like, I, I, I honestly feel like that's what he's doing, right? And he's walking through the, the concept art room going, yeah, that's cool. But I like that guy's head better. Stick that on that but guy. I, and let me yeah. see what that looks like, right? Yeah. Which some people don't like that. But but like I think that's what he's doing when it comes to like let's make a a big business decision. Um, you know, like how many how many Jar Jar Binks lollipops can we sell? Uh, I think that that's Rick McCallum. He's mm-hmm. the one sitting at the head of that meeting, going like. Oh, what if we do this? And what if we do this? And what if we do this? And what if we do this? Because George Lucas is going like, "Oh, what if I made Red Tails?" Right? <laughs> Which has no. It, I just actually saw an interview with him earlier this week, 
uh, or well, I guess last week, uh, about Red Tails and about him talking about it. And honestly, with Red Tails, he is so much less concerned with how much money it makes right. than he is with uh, setting a positive, uh, yeah. like putting out all these positive examples for for uh, young African American men to look up to. Because, like he says in this interview, there's so many uh, there's so many white movie heroes, and and there aren't enough you know, ethnicities out there being represented. And when right. he heard this story about, about the Tuskegee Airmen like that, he, he knew he had to make a movie about it. Um, so like, he's concerned with that stuff and he's concerned with, with, you know, like let's change the face of cinema landscape and, you know, make it a little bit more acceptable to have African-American uh, heroes in films. Yeah. You know, like, let's start with this movie. That's all about all of these real men, you know, like let's, Let's change that. Not let's uh, let's add in, you know, let's add in a girl, even though there wasn't one in the real story, because that would really, you know, mm. sell tickets. Because when you watch that trailer, I'm pretty sure there's like there's there's no women in that entire movie. And and if you watch a lot of trailers nowadays, I you know, depending on the kind of movie, but even like the kind of movie that that Red Tails is, mm-hmm. you'd expect to see, you know. A little bit of uh, yeah. a little bit of sex appeal, right? right? And he's not he's not doing that stuff to make sure that it sells. Other than you know, like let's make sure that this is a good movie. So yeah, you I know, know what? I I saw that interview you're talking about, and and you're exactly right. He was he I don't think he does care like if it makes money. He was seriously like. It sounded like he was genuine. Like he wanted to get this out because of the story. Like you yeah. said, it was about these these young. African American pilots that uh, he wanted to, he wants there to be more uh, role models out there, you know, and he wants yeah. the young people to look at this and and be you know get interested in the story and all that. So um, yeah, I remember that. I remember that uh, interview. I, I watched that a few days ago, and uh, yeah, exactly what, what you're talking about. And McCallum, you know, it was funny. That more on this interview was uh, he was talking about like the money aspect of it and how it's like. I think he even said there something about. They didn't care if it made money. They're just they wanted something about getting it out there. I have to I'd have to listen to it again. I'm you know you'll, we'll listen to it afterward. But yeah, but that's just a, a list, just a little tease of of some more Star Wars live action work yeah, we'll, title. We'll see. We'll see. By yeah. the way, there was a comic called Star Wars Underworld. It was okay, a, you looked it up. Was a, uh, I can't tell from the picture. Five or a six issue, five issue miniseries. Okay, uh, Underworld: The Yavin Basilica. Ah, okay. So uh, found it. that that is it was about Boba Fett, Han Solo, and Lando Calrissian. Um, <laughs> nice. Like I think working together. Oh, okay. Uh, so it has been used. Oh, uh, maybe it's like a Cannonball Run sort of situation. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just feel like really. Dom Del Reese in it. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, Dom Del Reese is in it. Burt and uh, Burt Reynolds <laughs> yeah. as Han Solo. Um, <laughs> Oh, that would be terrible. Ugh, <laughs> ugh, ugh. Just gave me shivers just thinking about it. Um, and then there was also the Star Wars The Last of the Jedi Underworld that that was, uh, well, called Underworld. But it was Star Wars The Last of the Jedi Underworld. So. Okay. Um, so there's, there's so there those go. two stories already that are called Star Wars Underworld. There we um, go. And uh, and maybe a Star Wars live action series too. And maybe a Star Wars live action series called Underworld. We will see. Um, yeah. So, if that is indeed what it's going to be called, that's not very interesting to me. That's not because <laughs> it's not original, right? Like, yeah. You know, some I don't people care might what gripe called. about the Phantom Menace. Some people might gripe about Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, but at least they're original names. Maybe not Revenge of the Sith, but yeah. You know, Attack yeah. of the Clones and Phantom Menace are completely original, and I I, don't, I like them. Yeah, I like the titles. But we'll see. Hey, I don't care what it's called. Just get the damn thing out. Let's do this. Yeah, <laughs> just just make some Star Wars TV. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Star Wars TV, uh, it's time for the recap. You ready? Let's do it. All right. A disturbance in the Force. There is. Is it possible to learn this power? They like me believe him to be the chosen one. Times. I sense there's something here. The army has assembled Count Dooku. The 
Mon Calamari system must not fall into Separatist hands. All troops, battle stations! This isn't gonna be easy. We'll disintegrate for sure! Suck it up, Shiny. I will attack the Naboo! <laughs> I will return, Mother. I want you. I don't work for fully. Long have Sith empires been built upon the backs of slaves. Anakin has struggled to put his past behind him. I'll keep an eye on him. Bow down, Jedi Fifth. Welcome to Death Watch. No! All right, I'm going to start it off. Escape from Hold, hold up one oh. second. Uh-oh. Before we jump into the recap, Uh-oh. I, I completely forgot about one piece of news. And it's kind of big news. Uh, a little bit speculative, but we were talking about it over on the Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And uh, Oh, wait, I think we're going to talk about it later. Oh, are we? Oh, yeah. you already got it. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Back to yeah. the recap. I okay, good. I should read your entire uh, well. It was, it, was it came in, it, it came in real late, so I understand. Yeah. I, I when you said that, I go. I think I know what he's talking about. <laughs> so we're gonna get to that definitely. Okay. Definitely. Okay. Uh, so stay tuned. Don't stay leave. Because t- <laughs> stay tuned. Kind of big news. Yes. Speculative yes. news, but news. Okay. Uh, here we go. Uh, the Zygerians are cruel masters. They lash any slaves that fall out of line with a cracking electro whip. Obi Wan could do nothing to help the slaves. If he speaks out, it is they who are it is they who are punished. As a result, the Tegruta's slave Tegruta slaves learn to be wary and stay distant from the captive Jedi. So, Mike, we're we're back again. It's been a, it's been a month, so we got to get back into the story. Uh, but here we are with the slaves, and I think it was the second episode we saw that one slave yeah. uh, jump off because he just couldn't handle it anymore. Well, here we are. This is what's going on. Okay, and and like she says, I, I don't know if it's if it's the queen that says this, but uh, it shatters the will. And it's a dark, it's dreadful down here. You know, who knows? What, they're shoveling just like crap. I don't know what it is, you know. Yeah. They're just shoveling stuff. But you know what's funny too in this is this in a sound mix. I heard like screaming and it, this, you know, you hear screaming coming out of all the sides of the speakers, right? It, it reminded me of Temple of Doom. Yeah, totally. Totally. I got you? the exact same feeling from it. Yeah, isn't that wild? So it's like pulling from from Raiders, you know. It, it, the screams is like, man, where have yeah. I heard the screams before, you know? Just like the mines. Just you like know what? Mines. I wouldn't be surprised. And uh, maybe we'll have to put that, that arrow in our quiver for Celebration 6. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and pull out that question. Yeah. And ask uh, if if those... Because, I mean, like the, the, all of that stuff's archived, right? All of that, that audio yeah. is archived. So... I wouldn't be surprised in the least if that audio is in fact the audio from Temple of Doom. Yeah, is that? I wouldn't yeah. be surprised at all. Because okay, I wasn't the only one. Though. I yeah. thought the exact same thing when I was watching it. I was like, "That sounds exactly like the mine mm-hmm. when you when you know like they're kind of the kids are all being put to work in the mine." And, yeah, yeah. And you hear whips cracking and and children sort of screaming in pain. And, yeah. Yeah. So good. I wasn't the only one that noticed it. So yeah, I, I, I was like, wow, that's my hearing things, or is that is that part of the sound mix? So cool, you heard it too. Uh, but yeah, just a, a dark and dreadful, and 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 like like it says here, you know, it's Obi Wan's not going to be punished. It's all the other slaves. So he's he's yeah. really stuck between a rock and a hard place. So um, yeah, it was uh, kind, it was kind of frustrating, kind of upsetting. Oh yeah, yeah. Because you just want Obi Wan to you know just yeah just go do nuts. something, do anything, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the way he fought the the Zygerian at the beginning of this arc to now, it's just like, first of all, they've gotten a lot of use out of that ragged Obi-Wan Kenobi model. <laughs> like, yeah. they were, I'm sure that when they, you know, when they brought it up and they went, let's make a new, a new character model for Obi-Wan that's all beat up and, uh, and ragged and stuff, he was like, okay but is it going to get used a lot? And they were like, oh, yeah, we'll make sure it gets used a lot. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> we got three it was, episodes uh, full of it. it. They had to be economical about it. So Yeah. Definitely get your money's worth. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, go ahead. Continue. 
Meanwhile, Count Dooku arrives at Zygeria to negotiate the acquisition of millions of slaves for the Sith cause. In a hologram, Darth Sidious orders Dooku to gain the Zygerian Queen's cooperation, or to end her rule if she fails to comply. That, those couple of sentences, in any other context, make absolutely no sense. I just want everybody <laughs> to be 100% yeah. clear on that. Yeah, and by the way, Kyle didn't do this recap. This is this is coming from uh, Star Wars, so... I, I just mean that there's so many words in there that mean absolutely nothing to anybody who's not a oh, Star Wars fan. Oh, yes. If, I, if yeah. I walked into work and said, in a hologram, Darth Sidious orders Dooku to gain the Zygerian Queen's cooperation, <laughs> everybody would that. look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but it was good to see Darth Sidious back again. It was, yeah. Darth Dooku and the Solar Sailor, uh, uh, some, some really cool stuff there. Uh, within the Royal Palace of Zygeria, Queen Mirage continues her attempts to, uh, to sway Anakin's loyalties by offering freedom to his captive friends. Anakin remains resolute, and the Queen dismisses him as she prepares to meet with Count Dooku. To ensure he stays out of trouble, the Queen takes Anakin's lightsaber with her. So, so the Queen is, you know, I'm already thinking, man, she's already got some kind of uh, something for Anakin, you know. What's, you know, how is this going to play out? Because you, you can feel it in the last episode... And definitely in this episode, uh, she's she's got something, you know. She's kind of letting him almost have free reign except for his lightsaber. Yeah. You know, there's a couple of, of guards, you know, following him around. But that's, as we find out, it's no match for uh, no match for Anakin. But uh, go yeah. ahead, Mike. Continue. Well, Anakin and uh, somebody else. Yeah. Oh, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, away from the prying eyes of the Queen's guards, Anakin reunites with R2-D2, who has gone unnoticed by the Zygerians. The little droid has found Ahsoka and leads Anakin to her. So uh, R2 kind of just bumps into them yeah. and gives Anakin the ability to, uh, the, the opportunity to, yes. to deal with them. And he comes back and he, and he kind of kneels down by, by R2. It's kind of like, you know, these guys are, uh, you know, it's, it's the team, man. It's, you know, as much as Anakin and Ahsoka or Anakin and Obi-Wan or whatever, Anakin and R2, man. Always always there. Uh, yeah. R2 always coming through. Uh, Queen Mirage meets with Count Dooku, who has been summoned to Zygeria by Prime Minister Atai Molek out of concerns over Mirage's questionable plans with the Jedi. Mirage explains that she intends to break the will of the Jedi, starting with Obi-Wan Kenobi, through the hardship and cruelty at Kadavo. Dooku finds her plans ambitious, but he has no interest in enslaving the Jedi. Kenobi's coming to realize, perhaps for the first time in his life, that his efforts to help others will only injure them. <laughs> As plans for escape and hopes of rescue fade, the gnawing fear that he will never be able to take action will grow in Kenobi's heart. To ease the burden of his fellow slaves, defiance will become compliance. When Kenobi realizes he cannot help those around him, his spirit will break and he will be mine. If such Jedi as Skywalker and Kenobi can fall, how many others will follow? Hmm? <laughs> Imagine, imagine an army of Jedi in your service. Zygeria will be invincible. A most ambitious plan, your highness. Only my goal is not the enslavement of the Jedi Order, but its extermination. I have come to supervise their execution, perform it if necessary. Now, summon Skywalker. And I, you know, I enjoyed the scene here too because, you know, here's Dooku. He's going, you know what? Just like he said, I, we're not. No, this is you got the plan all wrong here, Mirage. We're, we're not enslaving these guys because, you know, they can break out or something can happen. Yeah. We're exterminating the Jedi, and she's got it all wrong. And <laughs> yeah. It, it, and here's and that's what her plan is. I guess it sounds like is just to to use the Jedi as not only slaves themselves, but to enslave others, you know, like like they've already been doing with Obi Wan, where it's like, hey, if you don't do what we tell you, we're just going to keep killing these other slaves, and 
we know you're Jedi. You, you got to keep the peace and, and, you know. So they're using all that stuff. But, but Duke is just here to uh, exterminate. And that's it. So uh, what do you think? Uh, pretty good scene here, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's nice to see Dooku. Dooku's just, yeah, he's Back always good. pulling the strings. At well, and, and uh, Sidious behind him, sort yeah. of. Um, yeah. I'll return to some of the characters that, that I think we've missed a lot of in the first half of season four and, uh, and definitely in season three. Yeah, um, right. Because I feel like in season three we spent a lot of time with a lot of the heroes. And then we spent a lot of time with Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. All right, sorry, not Ahsoka, with Asajj. Um, but not a lot of time. I don't know. I'd, I'd like to see more more Dooku, uh, either just incidentally in episodes, kind of like this, where, like, uh, well, I guess he does a little bit later on. Oh, but, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'd like to see uh, some, some Dooku-centric episodes, like maybe yeah. an episode or, or an arc just about him. Yeah. Um, and I think that at the at the point that they're at right now, kind of running out of Anakin and Obi-Wan stories to tell, um, or at least that's how it seemed in Season 3. Maybe not so much uh, with the second half of Season 4, which we'll, we'll talk about when we, after we're done wrapping up this episode. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It just, it just feels like, uh, like they need something a little bit fresh. Yeah. And definitely, like... I'm not ready for another clone arc. I'm not ready for, you know, more uh, Jedi stuff. Uh, like, being introduced to new Jedi just to have them killed off. I'd like to see some stories about some characters that we already know. Uh, maybe from the other side of the Force. Mm, uh, yes, yes. Uh, I, and, I mean, obviously we're going to get that wish fulfilled at the end of the season. Oh, yeah. But, yes. That's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, yeah, some great some great stuff from Dooku, and we'll get we'll get to more in a few minutes here. Uh, Anakin frees Ahsoka from her cage. He gives her his comlink and sends her to their ship, the, the captured Zygerian ship Takora. Anakin needs to return to the palace, for only Queen Mirage knows the location of Obi Wan Kenobi. Dooku orders the Queen to kill Anakin, but she refuses. Prime Minister Molek is prepared to do the deed. Mirage is incensed to the Tai's treachery and Dooku's posturing. She pulls out an energy lash, but Dooku easily throttles her through the Force before she can bring her weapon to bear. Wow, that's, that's here's another scene with Dooku that I was I really enjoyed. It's just, you know, he's not even looking at her, and then all of a sudden you see his like I think you see his eyes closed for a second, and all of a sudden there she goes, Force choke. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, that was awesome, cool stuff. Uh, and then here's Anakin coming in. When Anakin barges into the royal chamber, Dooku releases his hold on a gasping queen. Anakin still, without his lightsaber, grabs Mirage's energy whip and attacks Dooku. But he is no match for the skilled swordsman. Dooku disarms Anakin and knocks him down with a bolt of Sith lightning. As concerned palace guards run into the chamber, Dooku claims that Anakin attacked the queen. And again... You know, Dooku, this was a great scene with the lightsaber and the, and the energy whip. Of course, yeah. no match. You know, Anakin needs his lightsaber. But it was, it was great because uh, Dooku, he's standing there, right? And he's got his left arm behind his back. And he's just blocking every whip, you know. And yeah. he just, he's just using one hand with one, you know, it's just like, oh, classic stuff, you know. And then, boom, here comes some force lightning to, to even make it better. So, man, I was, that, was, that was a really, really fun scene. That's the kind of stuff that, like, when you're talking about Dooku... Seeing some more of that, uh, seeing him and Anakin, you know, continue to uh, to match up, you know, it just makes that episode three thing so much so much cooler at, uh, at the end of uh, the beginning of Revenge of the Sith. So, yeah. uh, go ahead and continue. I got wherever we see where we at. Uh, there we are. Uh, yeah, with uh, with guards firing at him, Anakin scoops up the fallen form of the Queen and leaps out of a huge window. He lands on the waiting ramp of the Takora. He surreptitiously signaled Ahsoka to be ready with the getaway. In a last show of gratitude to Anakin, the Queen names the Kadabo system as Obi-Wan's location in her dying breath. Uh, in the control room of the Kadabo facility, Obi-Wan and Rex are marched in front of Keeper Argus. Agris. Uh, he has been ordered by Count Dooku to execute his Republic prisoners. Just then, the Takora lands at Kadabo. Anakin has launched his rescue mission. 
Dooku's grim ultimatum is for Skywalker to surrender or all the slaves will be killed. Uh, the heavy turbo lasers defending the facility blast the Takora, stranding Anakin, Ahsoka, and R2 on Kadavo. Anakin starts cutting through the facility doors with his lightsaber. He is in no mood to negotiate, and he is not alone. He's brought reinforcements. Kenobi, tell your young friend Skywalker, if he does not surrender, the slaves will be terminated in his name. Anakin, I'm glad to see you, but I'm afraid our host feels otherwise. Oh, you can't make everyone happy, Master. They're threatening to kill the slaves unless you surrender. It's good to see you're always ready to negotiate, but I've had enough bargaining with slave drivers. Anakin, you must realize this is a fight you cannot win alone. Who said I was alone? Keeper, a fleet of warships has dropped out of hyperspace in Sector 6. Jedi reinforcements. Wolf leader to Wolf Pack. Accelerate to attack speed. This is Warthog. We're going in. Oh, I love hearing some of that old nostalgia. You know, Mike, the old yeah. Death Star. I mean, talk about reminding you of the Death Star run. Yeah. I mean, was this? I mean, here we go. You know, you got Anakin. He says, "You know what? Uh, I'm not alone." And I, that was kind of a shock to me. I, you know, I, I haven't read the story, so this is all new to me. And to see these, you know, the headhunters back, Mike. We talked about yeah. those. Uh, you know, the the, the X-wing sound that that comes from them. Uh, that was just fantastic. Plue Coon's back, and he's got his wolf pack there. Uh, and like I said, just the, the Death Star, the whole Death Star feel to this whole uh, middle act here. Uh, I really, really enjoyed that. What'd you think of that? Yeah, yeah, it was pretty great. Um, I definitely having a little bit of fighter action. Yeah, I was nice for a change. Did you get the uh, Death Star feel? Did that come over across to you or no? A, l- a little, a little bit. bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. but uh, you know what? It actually felt a lot like uh, like a couple of missions in Rogue Squadron. Uh, oh, and, yeah. I'm, uh-huh. and I'm talking about the N64. Rogue Squadron. Okay. Um, not not any of the GameCube ones. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, like it, it really felt a lot like that to me. Yeah. Like some of those old school. Yeah. Uh, Rogue Squadron missions, where it was like you know you've got so long to do this and you gotta clear out the turbo lasers so that the ship can get in and rescue the hostages and <laughs> I mean. Yeah. I can honestly tell you, like, there's there's probably two or three Rogue Squadron missions in all three of those games. Uh, well, four if you count count the uh, Battle for Naboo um, that play out exactly like that. Yeah. That it's like, oh, you got to clear out the fighters and the and the turbo lasers before the heavy ships can come in and uh, and do their thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Uh, so I really I really liked it. I like this aspect of the episode. Um, I would love an entire episode that's just all about that. <laughs> yeah, that's just <laughs> good stuff, though. Uh, in space, Plo Koon's Jedi cruiser emerges from hyperspace, launching clone Z-95 headhunters uh, and gunships. While Master Plo and Warthog lead the starfighter attack, Admiral Coburn commands a rescue mission from the bridge of an occupying light cruiser. Um, I, I love the name Warthog because yeah. if you look at their helmets... And it, I, I never put two and two together on that. Like, I never looked at those helmets and ever thought, you know, oh, the those... Because uh, I think that's the... Um, those are the scout helmets, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I never looked at one of the scout helmets and was like, oh, that's like a... It's shaped like a pig's nose. Yeah. But then this one's named Warthog, and uh, he's definitely, like, he's kind of got... I think he had, like, Deco on the side of his mm-hmm. helmet to kind of look like little tusks. And uh, I don't know. I just I, I like little things like that because clearly somebody in the staff noticed yes. right. that these helmets kind of have this resemblance and uh, and thought he'd give it that name. Yeah, definitely. Give it, give, uh, give the clone that name. So nice spot too. Yeah. You know, another thing too that I want to mention uh, I have in my notes here is that 
during this part, you know, Anakin's using the uh, the old uh, Qui Gon move with uh, using his lightsaber to carve the circle. Uh, when he breaks through the uh, the door there, um, he really uh, he carves up some Sagarians. I'll tell you what, yeah. he he just dunk, you know just goes crazy on three of these Zygerians, slashing one in half, stabbing one. He has this nice little flourish, and he does like a backstab. And what was what I thought was interesting too was Ahsoka. She walks through. And she's kind of shaking her head. If, if I watched it a couple times, and she kind of does this, like almost like, "Oh my gosh, I, that was wild." You know, it's, should that should I take anything from that, or is that just Anakin doing his thing? You know, it was, it was. I don't know if it was a conscious thing they did to to make her do that, but it's something I noticed. And and man, seeing Anakin do some do some damage, man, it was pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. I think I think they are. Uh alluding to the fact that Ahsoka's starting to notice these things. Notice these little things, yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that this arc in particular is one of those. Because, like, we've seen we've seen him have outbursts like this in front of Padme, obviously in the movie, um, in, in Attack of the Clones. Uh, he tells her all about it. Uh, mm-hmm. And we've seen, we've seen him have some moments in front of Obi-Wan, uh, and Obi-Wan just kind of lets it go, right? Yeah. Um, just kind of chalks it up to, oh, well, that's Anakin. Um, but I, but a lot of the time it's been, it's either been relating directly to Ahsoka, so she wasn't there because she was the one that was captured, uh, or she just wasn't a part of that story. So I, so she's she's not been around. But, yeah, to, to have her around for it and to start to kind of see maybe how like what some of those other jedi are uh talking about when they when they talk about how they're worried yeah mm-hmm. about uh about anakin and his behavior so yeah so that was a really cool scene good stuff yeah uh, go ahead Mike. uh with the republic attack underway obi-wan loosens his slave collar and also frees rex the former captives assault their guards desperate keeper argus uh agris sorry uh, stabs at his control panels, electrifying the walls of the slave pens and zapping many innocent Togrudas. Rex kills the keeper with a well-thrown electric staff. Uh, electro staff. This is so fantastic. <laughs> Was he, that crazy or what? He kind of Obi Wan's ready to just take him out, right? And and uh, Agris goes, "Oh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't attack an unarmed a Jedi wouldn't attack an unarmed man." And then, uh, and then Rex just chucks it from clear across the room, goes straight through the guy's chest. Yeah. And yeah. What does he say? I think he says, "I'm no Jedi." He goes, "I'm no, I'm no Jedi." Yeah. It's like, yeah, that was some wild stuff. It's like it was a good moment from Rex, and the yeah. sort of thing that, um, you know, what in light of the Umbara arc and uh, and where we kind of know, yeah, the clones are going to end up on mm-hmm. on you know, where they land when it comes to the Jedi and the Republic and all of these sorts of things. Um, it's very interesting behavior from Rex. Very yeah. Anakin-like behavior from Rex to just be like, you know what? I'm not a Jedi because a Jedi is this and a Jedi is that. And, yeah. and, and uh, he's kind of, there, there's a little bit of like, like, well, you didn't account for me in that. And then there's also a little bit of like, well, the clones are better than Jedi. Mm-hmm. Right, like, because because I think after after everything that happens on Umbara, he's a little bit, with the exception of maybe Obi Wan, Anakin, and Ahsoka, who he has direct experience with, mm-hmm. he's probably now a little bit wary of Jedi, right? And I don't know, maybe I'm reading a lot into that, but I don't know, you never know. But yeah. it, it feels like they're writing these things into the characters, these evolutions yes. that are moving them a little bit more towards Episode Three, so. Exactly. Yeah, I definitely think that was a conscious thing. We're like, you know what? Hey, we got to show like, like Rex is is starting to take things. Uh, you know, push the push the envelope or something. You know, because yeah. yeah. uh, man, he threw a trident at him. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's yeah. like an Anchorman reference. I just killed a man <laughs> yeah. with a trident. You know, it's like holy crap, that was a uh, that was a uh, pretty crazy stuff. Yeah. Uh, but good. It was like you said, it was great great scene there. Uh, the Republic fighters have difficulty blasting the heavily ray shielded turbo lasers towers. Making matters worse, Zygerians launch their own nimble starfighters into the fray. Admiral Coburn cannot land his cruiser while the turbolasers still fire. 
Ahsoka parts ways with Anakin to free her people while he deals with the turbo laser problem. She finds the terrified Togrudas trapped in an electrified cell with the floor receding into the wall. They are doomed to death by electrification or by dropping into the depths below the facility. Using the force, Anakin leaps up uh, into one of the turbo laser's towers and commandeers it. He blasts the neighboring towers, thus eliminating, eliminating the threat. But with the holding cells still electrified, there's no way to move the prisoners to the facility's landing pad. Ahsoka has another idea. At Ahsoka's recommendation, Admiral Coburn maneuvers his cruiser underneath the suspended facility. Commander Wolf and the Wolf Pack clone troopers use their jetpacks and ascension cables to help lower the prisoners into their waiting rescue ships. Or waiting into their waiting rescue ship. Mm-hmm. With the last of the Tagrudas rescued, the cruiser departs. And then we finish up here. Uh, the Republic gunship opens fire on the facility's support struts. The explosions send the whole slave center crashing down. The threat of Kadavo is destroyed. Impressed by Ahsoka's ingenuity and daring, Governor Roshti considers joining the Republic. Ahsoka, you have done a great deed for your people today. You're sad. Well, you and the Jedi have done your best, but I do not think our people will recover from this horror anytime soon. I understand. But in the end, surviving this will only strengthen the people. Perhaps. And perhaps the people of Kirosh will also join the Republic. I think that's a wise choice, Governor. And we get this nice little uh, bow to tie this up with the, uh, with the, the them joining the, uh, the Republic. So, you know, that's, they were kind of, when we started this arc, Mike, it was, they were, you know, what, what, they were, I don't know, Switzerland or whatever. They're, they had no ties to anything, right? Yeah. So now all this happens and it looks like they're going to join the Republic. But I have to mention, too, there's a couple things that I, that I missed. Um, how about that move by Plo Koon when he's uh, the star fighting? You know, he's, he's, he's flying around and he does this, uh, he cuts his engines and does this kind of, he just lets gravity take a hold or whatever yeah it does like this you know flips and comes up behind and, and gets those those a uh, couple of other uh I don't, i'm not sure what those ships were called but uh you get some of the uh uh god what were those ships called anyway they had they had a name but anyway uh cool move though great move yeah and in this end of this had that classic star wars feel to it where you know it was the multi-action stuff you had anakin doing something you had ahsoka something had something going on uh, with the slaves, uh, you had Kenobi and Rex doing their thing. Uh, so, and then Pulu Kuhn is up there doing some crazy stuff with the Starfighter. So, classic Star Wars stuff there, Mike. Uh, cool ending, a nice, nice arc. You know, what do you call this? The slaver arc, the the Obi Wan gets his butt kicked arc. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, whatever it was, a really cool arc and, and something I I had no um, I had no idea how this was going to play out because I hadn't read the comic. So, I know you've read the comic, but what did you think of the this particular arc here? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the whole arc. Um, I'm a little bit annoyed with, with uh, I guess, I don't know if it's, uh, if it's uh, Lucas Animation or uh, Cartoon Network who made the decision to break it up like this because yeah. I feel like this episode had a lot less impact a month after yeah. the previous yeah. episode airing. Goofy break, yeah. Uh, yeah, so kind of, kind of a weird choice on that that I don't necessarily agree with or enjoy but i i i can't wait to get the blu-ray next year and to uh and to watch them all back to back right yeah i think it yeah this is a good point yeah i think and we've talked about this before we went on our hiatus is like man this is the goofiest break i've ever seen yeah Uh, and it you know it would have been nice to have that end because it like you said it it would have played out a little better after a month and a half it's like we have to go rewatch the the first two to yeah. kind of get that feel of what's going on again. So, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, definitely a solid a solid set of uh, episodes here. And um, yeah, well, particularly odd considering we've now got uh, this next week we have a one off episode uh, that's all by itself it seems, and then uh, and then from what I can tell a two parter. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. just kind of weird. 
weird to me that yeah. they would choose to do it that way. Because logically, to me, uh, I would have pushed to have the two-parter, the the one uh, we'll talk about it in a minute, mm-hmm. um, air, and then go on the break, come back with the one-parter uh, with Ahsoka and uh, yeah, Lutz, exactly, uh, or. Is that his name? Yeah, yeah Les Bonteri. Yeah, uh, in the next, uh, that's going to be on next week. Uh, and then jump into a three-part arc like this. Mm-hmm. That that would kind of be my uh, personal inclination in programming. But um, who knows, maybe that was their original intent and uh, and something happened with the production schedule that messed yeah. it up or, mm-hmm. or who knows, right? So... Um, so yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, we've got some great episodes coming yeah, up. That's for yeah. sure. They had a nice so, trailer. So uh, yeah, um, uh, a much stronger season four than season three. Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, oh yeah, based yeah. on what we've already gotten and what we've got coming down the pipe. Yeah, so. yeah, definitely, definitely. So some good stuff. Um, let's go over to uh, the social bag. Let's do that. Wait a minute, play back the entire message. Where are those transmissions you intercepted? He is carrying a message from an Obi-Wan Kenobi. I was beginning to wonder if you'd got my message. I saw part of the message. You... I seem to have found it. Okay, Mike, so this is what I, I'm assuming this is what you wanted to talk about. And this was my, uh, the Facebook post of the week it was actually by you. Um, and uh, you said... You guys, the rumors might be true. That's totally Sam Whitmer doing Maul's voice. Uh, I'm pretty sure, at least. So this was in response to a video you posted. Yeah. And I didn't even... It, this kind of came out of the blue for me, but it, it was a really cool little uh, little brisk tea commercial. So uh, let's take a look, and uh, you guys decide for yourself. What do you think this is? Let's take a listen. Darth Maul, not yourself. You look. Oh, super late night, being bad and evil in any way. Taste the force! I'm okay, I'm okay. Now you die! Wrong button. Nope. Ow! Oh. Double save are delicious! Too old for this, I'm getting. That's brisk, baby! <laughs> this is actually a pretty good commercial. So, uh, what do you think, Mike? I mean, you think that's Sam Whitmer, huh? That's totally Sam Whitmer. Listening going out to it without the video, without the video, just listening to the audio intently, uh-huh. that's totally him. Yeah. I guarantee that's him. That's totally him. Yeah. Totally. So, here's 100%. the thing. So, let me ask you this. Here's the thing. Yeah. Um, and you, I think you posted this on Facebook, too, that he's already credited in IMDb as Maul. Yep. So, that cat's out of the bag. You know, unless unless IMDb is way off, okay? Yeah. But here's my other thing. Is that going to be how he's going to do Maul? Because we all know Maul has the English style of, you know, accent or whatever you want to You know what I mean? So can he do that? Or is he going to do his own interpretation of Maul? That's what I'm wondering. Because don't, you don't really get a, the hint of the, the English stuff in that commercial, right? Yeah. Or do you? It, I don't know. You know what? Uh, Maul has all of two lines, and uh, yeah. neither one of them is all that long. So um, I think there's a lot of room for interpretation for just how mm. how that guy's voice goes. Um, I think, obviously, he's being really silly. In yeah, well, yeah, that, exactly. Uh, that's what, I, that's what my, my point, too, was I think he's kind yeah. of overselling this part, obviously, because of the commercial. Yeah, so, so he's kind of... He's hamming it up a little bit. So I don't think that this is what Maul is going to sound like in the show. I think that he'll be much uh, more gravelly voiced and, and yeah. uh, serious. And obviously with uh, with that kind of, uh, with the kind of dialogue that, that we can expect from the Clone Wars, mm-hmm. um, he'll be uh, a much more intimidating uh, force on, yeah, on the series. Yeah. So so I'm, I don't have any worries about it because uh, between the the uh, the apprentice, Vader's apprentice, right? Between Starkiller mm-hmm. and uh, uh, he's currently on a show called Being Human, right? Uh, where he plays a vampire, and he does a pretty awesome, pretty awesome job on that show. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and and the voice he did for the Mortis trilogy, right? Uh, a year ago, um, I think that he'll do just fine. I, th- yeah. I think he'll be great. He'll be a great Darth Maul, yeah. and uh, I think I, I mentioned somewhere in that thread of, of uh, 
conversation that uh, that I hope that he's at C six <laughs> so that we can. Uh, oh, that'd be awesome. We can uh, meet him because I'd love to meet him just for you know the Star Wars stuff that he's done. Talk to him about uh, the Force Unleashed. Um, see if maybe he has any info on where that could have gone with a third installment. I just finished the second one and uh, mm-hmm. and I'm a little bit disappointed in how that game ends. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And that it's not being continued. So maybe get a little bit of, of the scoop on that and to talk to him about uh, about being human because myself and my wife are huge fans of that. So Yeah. Definitely. Um, much much like when I got to talk to Matt Lanter, uh, getting to say a word or two about uh, 90210. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, there's all these... A lot <laughs> of these guys, because it's voices, they do other stuff, right? So, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I have to echo what you said about Whitware. I mean, this dude, what he did with the sun, you're like, man, he, he really knocked it out of the park with the sun. I mean, yeah. he had all that stuff, you know, the emotion and the range and stuff. So, you know, if he can just get a little bit of that, that uh, Serafinowicz... Uh, um, you know, English accent in there. I mean, yeah, definitely with the, like you're talking about the gravelly stuff and all that. He's he's definitely gonna gonna knock this out. I think so. Yeah. Really, really. Looking for, and he's like I said, he's already credited on IMDb, so that cat's out of the bag. So, uh, but yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that. I can't wait to see Maul finally back, and it's gonna be a a long couple months, but we'll be there pretty pretty darn soon. Looking forward yeah. to that. So uh, we're on to next week, man. We got a, another new episode coming up next week. Uh, the title of this particular one coming up is called A Friend in Need. And a peace conference between separatists and republic delegates is interrupted by Lex Bonteri, the son of the late separatist senator who involves Ahsoka in his dangerous, re- dangerous search to find justice for his mother's death. Lightsabers. Lux. R2, take a look around and see if you can find where Lux hid them. I'm going to have a little chat with Mr. Bonteri. Lux! Lux, where are we and what did you do with my lightsabers? You should have stayed on the ship. Hey, kid. You're late. Death Watch. So, Mike, we're going to get uh, Death Watch back. And, uh, wow, did you hear that? The Return of the uh, Revenge of the Sith music in there, too? Wow, that was pretty mm-hmm. cool. That, was, that sounded great. Uh, yeah, Death Watch is back. Katie Sackhoff doing one of the voices, it looks like. So, uh, cool stuff. What do you think? Yeah, it looks uh, looks like it's going to be an interesting episode. And yeah. uh, uh, based on, actually, some episode descriptions that are up on uh, on the Star Wars wiki already, uh, it looks like it's going to be a one-off episode as well. Oh, is it? Okay. Uh, I wasn't sure. Yeah. The next episode after that uh, is Deception. And, uh, you know what, I'm just going to read these descriptions right off here. Uh, When the Jedi learn of a separatist plot to kidnap Chancellor Palpatine, Obi-Wan is sent to a Republic prison disguised as a convict to extract information from the conspirator. While inside, Obi-Wan discovers that Cad Bane has been enlisted, and they must work together if they are to escape. Hmm. Uh, And then the following episode is fleeing across the uh, Well, It's called Friends and Enemies. This is the, uh, the, the description. Fleeing across the galaxy, a disguised Obi-Wan, Cad Bane, and Moralo Ival are wanted fugitives pursued by Anakin and Ahsoka. Bane and Kenobi work together to evade the relentless pursuit from Anakin, but it is Obi-Wan who must confront his former apprentice and do so without blowing his cover. Hmm. So uh, there's that. And then uh, we have episode titles for the rest of the season. Right. Um, so following that on February 3rd is the box. Now we don't have dates for the rest of it, but if the, like I said, the the uh, preview can be trusted, this is going to go straight through 
so Crisis on Naboo, Massacre, Bounty, Brothers, and Revenge. So uh, actually, we just really quickly bring up the calendar here. I wonder if Brothers that, and Revenge are going to be a, a one-hour season finale or something. Yeah, we could see that, but mm-hmm. uh, that would put us, uh, let's see, uh, Crisis on Naboo would be then the 10th. Uh, Massacre would be February 17th. Uh, Bounty would be the 24th. And then that would make Brothers and Revenge the uh, March 2nd and 9th. So, I mean, that is... That's an early end to a season. I know. That's, isn't that... It a seems really early end huh? to a season. Yeah. Um, but... I don't know. It seems like it, like it's it sounds according to that preview. They say it's uh it's going to be a non-stop hmm. uh right to the end of the season. So Interesting. Uh, to me like the, what I take from that is that it's going to be uh no breaks coming oh. up, uh in between. So um although I wouldn't be surprised if they if they did break it up because ending in the beginning of March, first two weeks of March is a little bit early for my That case. is pretty early, yeah. But yeah. yeah. I don't know. But yeah, yeah some that's... definitely some some really exciting stuff it sounds like coming up. Wow. Yeah. It's great great the descriptions there. So good stuff, man. That's gonna do it this week though, huh? That's We're back it for us We're back, this but week. It's, that's this week. So thanks for listening, and uh, don't forget to check us out online at uh, www.clonewarspodcast.com. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. Our username is Clone Wars. That's twitter.com slash Clone Wars. You can also tweet us at at Clone Wars. And uh, you can head over to Facebook, join our page, facebook.com slash Clone Wars Podcast. And from there, you can get to the group and uh, get in on the Star Wars discussion. We're in there. Oh, yeah. On a fairly daily basis, Good chatting stuff. up Star Wars and uh, and whatever else, so and the Clone Wars and all that good stuff. So I uh, so yeah. Until next week, uh, we'll see you guys. See you next week. Well, another close to another wonderful show. Obi Wan Kenobi here, saying thank you for listening to Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast. Brought to you, of course, by StarWarsDaily.com. The force is strong with you all, and it will be with you always. <laughs>